0: It's a huge mistake that I think a lot of college students make. They kind of don't realize how competitive it is. They have a good GPA. They have, you know, they go to a good school and they think, if I just come in here and I, you know, I'll I'll do a few mock interviews and I'll go in and I'll just put on a smile and firm handshake. It's just not enough nowadays. You really have to wow them.
1: You are now tuned into the Macy Muse Unplugged a pop-up podcast variety show helping consultants along their journey to greatness with your host, management consultant, author, and blogger, Christy Lindor.
2: Hey, my go-getters. Welcome to the Musi News Unplugged podcast show. I'm your host, Christy Lindor, excited to be bringing you episode 36, and today we're going to be doing a Quick Wins interview. If this is your first time tuning in, Quick Wins are when we have a chance to connect with individuals discussing ideas, products, or services to really help round out your consulting toolkit. Today's guest, we've actually got Patrick Curtis. A little bit about Patrick. He's a former investment banker. He's now the CEO and founder of WallStreetOasis.com. And in today's interview, Go-Getters, he really shares really some good insights on his career journey. He shares a little bit about the founding story of WallStreetOasis.com, which actually has an emerging consultant community on there. And he really gives us some insights. He's in the beginning of starting to collect a lot of data, uh, user-driven data collection on the consulting industry that I think you will find extremely helpful. Over time, you'll be able to really get some really cool insights. And trends on the consulting industry. And if you are data driven, you love the numbers, go-getters, you can actually go to wallstreetoasis.com now and sign up, become a member and start to actually get some of the, the emerging data sets and insights that's being provided. So things like, you know, what schools are being heavily recruited at certain consulting firms or consulting firm salaries. I know those that are in consulting, they can never get enough (laughs) talking about salary and trends and that sort of thing. So you can actually start to get that type of information at wallstreetoasis.com. So so Patrick shares his vision of the service that he's providing and a little bit about how you can get connected. It's going to be a really cool conversation stick around for that. Also wanted to share Go-Getters. My book has been officially distributed. Excited on Tuesday, February 20th the Meesey News has officially released. So make sure you check it out, get yourself a copy. Um, we're shipping worldwide now and we'll keep you posted. I know we've got a lot of things in the works in terms of how you are able to get a copy of the paperback book and we'll keep you posted on those efforts. But with that, let's get started. So Patrick, welcome to the Missy News Unplugged. How are you doing today?
0: I'm great, thanks for having me.
2: Yeah, I'm super psyched to get a chance to connect with you. Big fan of your site, WallStreetOasis.com. So I know this is going to be a great conversation. So Patrick, I guess before we get started with today's discussion, maybe if you can take a moment to introduce yourself to the go-getters of the Macy Museum Plug.
0: Sure. So as Chrissy said, I'm Patrick Curtis. I was born in the Boston area grew up around there went to college at Williams middle of nowhere i ended up working in investment banking for a few years after that to private equity and then eventually founded Wall Street Oasis around 2006 and have been working in the online space trying to make it the best community possible for the past almost 12 years now which is shocking but yeah and as part of that our consulting community has really taken off over the last, you know, five to seven years within Wall Street Oasis. So I'd love to answer any questions you'd have on that.
2: Yeah. So two fun facts you just mentioned. At first, I didn't realize that, you know, wallstreetoasis.com was almost 12 years old. That's that's pretty remarkable. And two, I didn't know you were from Boston. I had no idea. What part of Boston are you from?
0: So I was born in Brookline, and I grew up in a town called Andover, north of the city.
2: Oh, so, nice, nice, yeah. yes. Brookline yeah. and Andover, good spaces. Hopefully, you have not been around here lately. It's like
0: I have not. Negative. I live in California now, so I've oh. avoided that. <laughs> <laughs> I've been lucky.
2: Oh, we've got pummeled. We've got pummeled Patrick. Yeah. My family's telling
0: me they're saying I can, we were coming to California. That's what they're all saying. So.
2: Oh yeah. It's yeah. They're all running over there. Well, <laughs> well thank you for, for sharing that intro. I guess before we, you know, we start to delve in a little bit, I'd love to hear the founding story about WallStreetOasis.com. But before we do that, maybe, you know, you can take a step back and share with us kind of how you decided to, you know, go into investment banking and then, you know, how did you end up making the leap, you know, kind of starting the website and, and anything you can share just to give people a little bit more kind of color contacts. That'd be great.
0: For sure. So, you know, I was at, when I was at Williams, I was an economics major and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I think, you know, coming from a liberal arts school like Williams, I think a lot of people, you know, you get to sophomore, junior year, and all of a sudden people are asking you, what do you want to do? And I think a lot of us or a lot of students kind of face this dilemma of, you know, do you, you know, Do you wanna continue to be dependent on mom and dad? Or do you wanna be independent? For me, I knew I was really just didn't want to have to be dependent on them anymore. And so I started doing research in terms of what types of companies were recruiting at Williams and actually the connection to Wall Street and to investment banks, that even that liberal arts college was actually very strong and actually consulting companies as well. So I ended up interviewing for a bunch of consulting firms. In a bunch of investment banks, and I struck out at a lot, at a lot of them, <laughs> um, and especially the consulting firms. But I can say that you know I learned a lot in the process, and I ended up you know lucky enough in 2002, right after you know 9/11 and a huge market crash. I ended up I was able to land an investment banking job at Rothschild in New York. But it was definitely a long slog and very tough to actually land that interview. So, in terms of why and what it wasn't, you know, go looking back and realizing how little I actually knew in my sophomore and junior year when I started kind of deciding this is what I wanted to do it's a little bit comical in terms of saying oh I knew I wanted to be an investment banker it's 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 more of a I think a lot of people fall into that path and I think that was that was if I'm being honest that was probably the reason why I mean, it was just hey I don't want to be dependent on my on my family anymore to you know they're paying paying the bills for my school and, and whatnot I wanted to be independent move to a big city and have a job that will, that would allow me to do that
2: you know what's you know what's fascinating about what you just shared, Patrick, is that, you know, you mentioned about trying out on different consulting firms. I actually know a lot of consultants that are have been eyeing the world of investment banking for quite some time and and they're trying to decide if that's where they want to maybe make a leap to get, you know, a little bit more experience that parallels the consulting industry. What would you say are some of the things that you enjoyed the most, you know, when you were working in that space? And then what were some things that you're like, eh, I could do without?
0: So I think, you know, at the junior levels for investment banking, it's notorious for the long hours. And I think they're for good reason. I mean, it's true. I think the banks are trying to make a better effort to actually make the lifestyle a little bit more bearable since they're having a tough time retaining some of their top talent. A lot They're having having a lot more competition. And I'm sure consulting firms are having some of this with tech um, and with startups and with a lot of the top talent and deciding I'm going to do my own thing or I'm not going to go into, you know, the traditional industries that they've been into in the past. So especially at MBAs, you're seeing this as well. So, I mean, in terms of what I didn't like, I mean, it's what you'd expect. It's the long hours. It's the some of the monotony of the job, you know, working till 3 or 4 a.m. and <laughs> having to, to worry about footnotes and, you know, oh, this word is not italicized or this word's words not underlined. That being said, it still taught me an incredible amount in, in a very short period of time, especially given where I came from, you know, liberal arts background, no finance, no accounting background, and being able to you kind know, of ramp up in within two years, being able to be kind of a wizard in Excel and be able to understand the balance, complex balance sheets of companies and, and all that. So I think there's definitely cons to the job and to the industry. It's, it's extremely demanding, especially in the junior ranks, but there's there's also a lot of benefits, especially the exit opportunities.
2: Right, right. And then, you know, you mentioned, Patrick, about, you know, not really being able to strike out with the consulting firms. Maybe share like a story you know, for for the go-getters out there that may be in the throes of, you know, consulting interview or they're going through the recruit. Actually right now, you know, early the beginning of the year is prime recruitment time for school for target schools. Maybe share what were some of the lessons learned that you had from that from that experience.
0: I think, you know, people who are more comfortable like myself, sitting in a room and having a one-on-one conversation sometimes make the mistake of thinking that they can build a connection with the interviewer without doing enough of their technical Background knowledge, and I think that may have been more the case back when I was in school, back in you know the early 2000s. Uh, I think nowadays most candidates there's enough knowledge and online being shared, whether that's various interview courses or whatnot, that people understand that the competition is much more fierce. But for for myself, back in 2000, what was it one or two? I felt like, oh, I can go in there, you know, yeah, you know, I, I can logic through, you know, I can reason myself through these case interviews, and I had heard of them and. Done a few practice ones, but I hadn't really drilled down into the frameworks. I hadn't really drilled down and done a lot of mock interviews. And you know, you shouldn't be using your actual interviews as practice. It's a huge mistake that I think a lot of college students make. They kind of don't realize how competitive it is. They have a good GPA. They have you know, they go to a good school, and they think if I just come in here and I you know I'll, I'll do a few mock interviews and I'll go in and I'll just put on a smile and firm handshake. It's just not enough nowadays you really have to wow them. And I think in order to do that, there needs to be a lot of practice prior to the interview.
2: Yeah. yeah. I, I mean,
0: it, it's unbelievable the amount I personally improved from my first interview to my 30th interview. It was just a completely different person. Yeah. So imagine if you like front end that and you're actually able to do all those practice mock interviews with your friends or family or a or mentor, for example.
2: You know, what you just said is, is so spot on. I've actually been experiencing that here where, you know, right now we're to the point where, you know, at least in my experience, we've been splitting hairs, you know, candidates are coming in and they're they're on point, you know, <laughs> right. and they they are, are really, and they, because they understand the, the competition, as you say, and they, they've they got the resources out there. So it's, it's really gotten, I think, even more so competitive than it has in the past because it's sl- fewer slots, a lot more really, really well-rounded candidates for sure.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think so for the people who are, are not, they're a little bit more shy or they're a little bit not as comfortable one-on-one really working on that eye contact, working on that body language is important for them. But, you know, maybe they'll be great at the technical aspect of the case and they'll be able to kind of do all the case math really quickly and easily. For the people who are a little bit more confident, don't underestimate the other side of the equation. So I think it's it depends on the type of candidate and where their weaknesses are. I think it's important to have that self kind of realization of where you can improve and how you can make yourself a better interviewer. Because like anything, I think it's a skill that can be taught and learned and improved upon.
2: Awesome.
1: Now available on Amazon, management consultant and author Christy Lindor shares career secrets based on 15 years of experience working at top firms in a new book called The MeeCee Muse. 100 plus selected practices, unwritten rules, and habits of great consultants, The MeeCee Muse provides insights and strategies on the unwritten rules of the consulting profession. Christy conducted research and connected with 50-plus industry titans across 27 professional service organizations on what makes a great consultant. For book reviews, tour dates, and more info, go to www.mcnews.us. I'm going to pivot slightly, Patrick. Mm -hmm. I want to
2: talk about WallStreetOasis.com. Share the, I love a good founding story. So share (laughs) share the the story of, of, you know, kind of like, how'd you wake up and decide to do this? And, you know, a little bit about kind of the, the, the beginning of the journey.
0: Sure, I think it was late 2005 or, to, or early 2006. I think I came across a an article, 30 Under 30, one of these like <laughs> lists of um, Forbes, and I started at my private equity fund then. And I was working, you know, a manageable 60 hours. We can set up 80 to 100 hours a week. <laughs> so I felt like I had all this free time all of a sudden. But so I was reading these businesses, and what struck me was that you know some were yeah were excellent businesses, but none of them were necessarily revolutionary. Were, some were great ideas, some were you know they're all good ideas but none of them struck me as impossible to do and so i thought to myself you know what could i do to kind of start building my own thing where you know i'm not dependent on on an employer to you know for everything and so i think you know and part of i think part of the reason i was looking for that was because my experience i had been fired 6 months after starting my first job in private equity so it was you know i walk into a room expecting my first bonus and i'm let go and that was that was right after I had moved from New York after investment banking to private equity at a firm in Boston. And so that experience really shook my confidence. Really, kind of made me step back and feel like less secure. If that makes sense, a little bit more of you know what could I do? What could I build to protect myself in a way, and over the long term, have something that I can fall back on, either either as a side income or as a full time business. So. Rewind to 2006, I'm looking at the business and it kind of strikes me as you know, it would be really great to start something myself. And wait a second, like none of these are revolutionary. Why don't I just start something that about something I know? And so I was talking to my friend who was at the time getting his PhD at MIT. So he knew all the tech computer stuff, which I still know very little (laughs) to this day about. And he um, helped me create an online community for uh, initially for just investment bankers. And it was called uh, iBankingOasis.com. So it was rebranded several years later, but he's the one who initially got me set up and started and I started kind of growing it and marketing it and getting it out to like the investment banking clubs at all the universities. And there was enough, you know, this was early enough and there was enough activity in 06 that it got me very excited because I could see there was a need for it. I could see that people wanted a place to go online to to discuss, you know, interviews, to discuss strategies on how to network, to discuss, you know, how to break in. And then we saw just naturally the site evolve into kind of a career advice space where people would come to have fun conversations, but they'd also come to try and get advice for their specific situation. And it naturally extended to consulting, to private equity, to hedge funds and the like.
2: Awesome. You mentioned the consultant. That was actually my, my next question, Patrick, was, I do notice that there is a, a budding, you know, emerging consulting community on the site. Maybe share how you kind of decided to leave. I know, it, it, you know, there was a parallel to, to the iBanking space, mm-hmm. but maybe share a little bit more about kind of the consulting kind of side of the other of community.
0: Sure. So I think, you know, it was a natural extension of, you know, the investment banking side, just because even though it's a very different industry, I felt like the same candidates that are targeting investment banking are often targeting management consulting because they're some of the most sought after jobs, most the jobs that set you up best for long term career success. And so, in terms of, you know, the jobs that I knew, the jobs that I had interviewed for, and the jobs that I felt were, you know, of the standard and caliber that the community was kind of interested in, it was a natural fit. So, you know, people would often would be talking about investment banking XYZ and they'd say, oh, I also have an interview at, you know, MBB or whatnot. And, you know, what are they going to ask me here? So those conversations were already happening on the site organically. And so it was just it was just a question of setting up a dedicated space for that area.
2: Yeah, that's great. I'm going to shift gears quickly and Mm -hmm. talk a little bit about the consulting report. I've noticed that you've got, maybe share kind of how you decided to create the report and maybe just some insights on, you know, what people could expect from the report and is it annual, you know, anything like that would be great.
0: Sure. So for a little bit of background, about four years ago, actually six years ago, in late 2012 we announced something called the company database on Wall Street Oasis where we were going to start collecting interview insights, compensation data and company reviews across, you know, thousands of companies including management consulting firms, banks, hedge funds, private equity funds, asset managers, all those. And so we started kind of crowdsourcing all of this data from the community and it got to the point where last year I said, you know, we've had over 50,000 submissions into this company database, and we haven't done much with it because it's just been we've been so tied up with other aspects of the business. And I thought, you know, I think it's really time we start taking this data and, and showing it to the community and making it valuable because there's so much valuable information there. And so, for the last second half of 2017, we worked really hard to actually start releasing what we call the industry reports. So there's, you know, the consulting industry report, the investment banking industry report, private equity and hedge fund. Those are the four we started with. And the consulting. So when you say, is it annual? It's really, um, yes, it is annual. So what we do is every year that every time it rolls over to a new year, so 2018 just started, a new set of reports will be created, but they're really a living, breathing thing. So as people enter in, so if somebody entered in something to, for, you know, a compensation data point, for example, in 2017, that would update 2017 still. So it's not as if it's closed and locked forever. As we collect more data, the reports do change and the rankings do change and all that. So, you know, and the really, I think, interesting part about this isn't just the company rankings and the compensation data, but it's the other kind of more nuanced data we have, like intern offer rate percentages and the university statistics. So if like even high school or juniors in high school or seniors in high school are deciding between two or three colleges and they want to know, hey, well, what's going to set me up potentially, you know, if I want to go into consulting, they can look and see, you know, what schools have kind of a presence at what firms. And they can also even look at diversity statistics, you know, if I'm a female and I, you know, want to work at XYZ, are they well represented? Um, So we have all this data that we've collected over the years that we're finally starting to kind of bring to the forefront. Of the site, and so we created an entirely new kind of main section of the site called reports that were I mean and along with that, the great part about it is people now see this and so that they're now contributing even more, so where the data' is getting better and better because you can gain access to it just by contributing your own data so that's kind of and we kind of see this being something where with investment banking, we have enough data where we can actually show trends now year over year we can show like where one company's moved up or down relative to the others we can show Compensation trends by position, and I think our goal with consulting is by by this time next year we'll actually have the same type of thing for consulting firms.
2: So Patrick, with this report, maybe for the current version because I know you mentioned it, it sounds like it's a living, almost like a living document. What would you say is like one of the most surprising insights that you've you kind of gleaned from all the data that you've been collecting?
0: Well, I was a little shocked that there some of the work-life balance stuff in terms of the hours was much higher than I thought they would be. Not as high as banking, but they were they were up there um, in some of these firms. And it surprised me a little bit that it wasn't as tied to the typical firms you'd think of, like the Big Four or MBB. It wasn't always those firms at the top of, of some of those lifestyle things. It kind of like had some firms that I, I hadn't heard of, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Like smaller consulting firms seem to... There, there are some outliers there that where they're working their consultants some extreme hours. So... That was a little bit surprising to me. I would think that the smaller firms have, would have less leverage to be able to do that to their employees, but I guess that's not the case. In terms of what else, you know, it, for consulting specifically, it wasn't there wasn't any huge surprises. I would say that you know the ones in terms of you'd think of as best leadership competence, uh, overall professional development, and overall employee rankings—the ones you'd expect tend to be. Near the top. However, I would say that certain ones outside of MBB did creep into the top one or two in certain categories. So it's it's more interesting to see kind of the nuanced differences versus just, you know, the overall ranking which I think doesn't tell you as much.
2: Right, right. That sounds cool. So, and go-getters, we'll make sure we'll put some direct links to the reports and, you know, to Wall Street Oasis, specifically the community, consulting community links. We'll put that on the show notes. So Patrick, one, one more thing around the report. If, you know, you mentioned earlier that, it's individuals as they contribute, they can gain access to it. Maybe, maybe share a little bit about like the different people. Is it all types of folks in consulting? Is it, you know, outsiders, former consultants, maybe share like what's kind of the perfect persona that you seek to kind of contribute to this.
0: So I think anyone that's worked at a consulting firm or had an interview at a consulting firm. So even if you have, even if you did not get a job a consulting firm you can still contribute by adding your interview insight there talking about you know what was asked where you were interviewed you know what school you went to because that gives that gives us data on you know where they're searching and who they're interviewing, and we still use that to help compile a certain portion of the reports. So even if you've just had an interview, even if it's just a phone interview, you can contribute. And now it's obviously people who've worked at the firms can give us more data on compensation and actual company reviews, and so you could add even more. But even just to get one month free access, you don't. You can just basically add in an interview insight, and boom, the whole report will unlock for you. So that's kind of how we're growing it, right? People are trying to see oh, where you know where are the rest of these rankings or how can I look at the details by level and whatnot. And so that's helping us drive the submissions and giving us better data.
2: Yeah, I think it'll be, it'll be interesting, you know, over the years as you start to get trends analysis and that sort. I'd love to have you back on the show, you know, as this kind of, this ramps up because I'm sure it's going to just snowball. With-
0: yeah, yeah, and it has. You know, it has. It's a, we've the rate of submissions has. I'd say it's gone up like five to six times since <laughs> since we started releasing these reports. Because I think people really want now they see what's behind in the database. It's kind of visual now, and so it's much easier to understand what's there. And so everyone wants to be able to see it. Um, yeah. So I think that's helping. That's helping grow the database. It's just going to make it more valuable to everybody. So yeah. So we're excited about that.
2: One more question. So yeah. I know a lot of the a lot of the things we just talked about for the report we're specific to some of the consulting shops out there. What about for freelance or solo, you know, independent consultants? Would they be part of the community you're seeking or are you really just seeking those that, you know, that work at the consulting houses?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. We do allow, if you have data on a company that's not in the database, you can create the company. We do allow the community to, you know, if we're missing a company. So if it's a small, you know, small consultancy, one two-person shop, and we don't have it, by all means, you can add it and still gain access. Obviously, that stuff, I don't know how many... If it's just a one-person consultancy, it's a little bit tougher. I don't think it's as valuable piece of data as people who are... you know, Because they're probably interviewing nobody or one person a year or whatever if they're looking to stay as an independent freelance person. But yeah, it's still valuable. I think it's still a piece of data. It's still you know, gives us data on the industry overall in terms of, you know, compensation and stuff. So,
2: yeah. Awesome. Well, I know consultants love data. So I'm sure (laughs) there's going to be, you know, people listening to this episode is going to be running to the site, not only to contribute, but also to see the the insights. I'm sure there's a lot of cool information out there. Well, Patrick, this has been a, a really great conversation. What advice would you give, you know, a new or aspiring consultant, just given your experience, exposure to the world of consulting, your community? I'm sure you've learned a lot along the way. What type of advice would you give someone that's looking to come into this space?
0: I would just say make sure you, you know, do your research and your homework to understand what you're getting into and what each firm kind of offers and the culture at each firm. Don't just assume that, you know, if I get into one of these firms, this is where I should go. Really try to get to meet and understand the people and, and what it's gonna be like to work in a specific group. Because I know different firms have different kind of processes in terms of how they assign you and whatnot. So it's it's important to understand those nuances because it can really really make a big difference in your quality of life and also what skills you develop, which is very important for potentially your next jump.
2: Couldn't agree more. If people wanted to get a hold of you, Patrick, how can they reach out to you?
0: Sure. They can reach me just through email, patrick at wallstreetoasis.com or they can send me a tweet at at wallstreetoasis.
2: Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This is such a great conversation. I look forward to continuing this discussion and hearing about the reports and um, just kind of being part of your community, Patrick.
0: Appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me.
2: Yeah, thank you. And thank you, my go-getters, for tuning in. This is Christy Lindor signing out for the Missy Muse Unplugged Pop-Up Podcast. Here's to your journey to greatness. Tune in every Friday for new episodes syndicated on iTunes, Google Play Music, and many more. Visit www.misimuse.com for more information.